Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and for this time together, your children, to come closer to you, to gain in our knowledge and understanding of you and your will and your ways through your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. And we just ask that everyone who hears this message, either now or in the future, be healed, empowered, have a revelation of your love for them, Father, and prospered in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Romans chapter 5, it says, Therefore, starting at the first verse, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Access by faith into the grace in which we stand. I think that there is a, a big misunderstanding uh, of faith and grace in the, in the body of Christ. And uh, both are, are uh, so important that you can't really separate the two because without one, you won't have the other. In other words, the, the balance of grace and faith for the Christian is sort of like common table salt, sodium chloride, NaCl2, I think, if I remember correctly. The, the two ingredients apart are poisonous in large quantities, but combined in the appropriate amount is something that we can't live without. Common table salt. And that's how it is with grace and, and faith. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. We've been talking about the spiritual laws of God, the laws that he has in place to benefit his children and how to learn to cooperate the, with those laws in order to walk in greater power and victory in this life. We don't have to wait until we get to the, the sweet by and by to benefit from our salvation. We can enjoy the benefits of it now. And uh, I think most Christians leave a lot on the table. And I think some of the tears that he's going to wipe away when we see him are due to the fact that we could have done and had so much. I'm not talking about having in the sense of riches and piles of gold. I'm talking about prosperity in the true sense. To prosper in our relationships, in our finances, in our bodies, and our work that he's given us to do. Amen. We've been talking about faith in the recent weeks and we talked about determined faith we talked about expectant faith and now I want to go big today and talk about big faith or strong faith a little bit there's about I think there's four times 
that I can think of that Jesus talked about little faith. He rebuked people for having little faith. So we won't talk about that right now. But we'll just focus on the, the two times in Scripture that he complimented someone for having big faith or strong faith. Now, and they're both going to be in Matthew. One is uh, chapter 8 and one is chapter 15. So if you go over there, we'll take a look. Why is it so important that we learn about faith? I don't see too many Christians talk about faith. I, I, I just don't. And when I do talk to them, I don't find what they're standing in faith for. I don't hear a lot of talk about. I, I, I meet a lot of people that, that just love Jesus. And I know they do. And I know that they've trusted their eternity with him. And that's good. If that's all we ever get, that's that's good. <laughs> because eternity is like, uh, well, this life is like one grain of sand on all the beaches of the world compared to eternity. Amen. But we're here now. So let's talk about now. And uh, I was watching a movie. I love those old movies because they didn't uh, they didn't find it necessary to be filthy and all that. You know, and uh, there I was watching one called uh, Ivanhoe, the knights in the shining armor and all that, you know. And uh, something struck me. I think I was just half asleep or whatever. I was just watching it. You know how you do old comfort, like comfort food, those old comfort movies, you know. But they were talking, they'd been coming back from the Crusades and this and that and, and the Normans and the Saxons and didn't like this one and that one and and one, uh, a Jew came, uh, a Jewish man came passing in the night and needed a place to stay. And uh, these, these guys said, oh, I'm not going to share the same place with an infidel. And the jester was sitting there and he said, show me a Jew who's not a Christian and I'll show you a Christian who's not a Christian. And I... And I took notice of that. And uh, I think it's pretty profound, really. <laughs> and I find it to be very true. So anyway, we want to be real disciples. That's what Jesus called for. He didn't, he didn't tell those guys to go and make converts and keep score. He told them to go and make disciples. And create people who would follow after him, live according to his word and by his teachings. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so now we have access by faith into the grace he's providing. And in Romans 14, 23, it tells us that if it's not faith, it's sin. So faith is important, isn't it? People don't think of it like that. If they did, they would do differently. In life and in the voting booth and everything else. Because everything's supposed to be bounced off the Lord. You know. And uh, and if you've read this and you've got it in you. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of everything that Jesus has said. So he's there to help all the time. Amen. In Romans chapter 8. I mean no pardon me. Matthew chapter 8. Let me get over there now. Is the first one I want to mention. 
And this is the centurion. I'll, I'll start reading in the fifth verse, and I'll just read it to you. It's very self-explanatory. When he, when he, Jesus, had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. Notice the compassion. Because I think, you know, we could do another, we could do another series like, like we've done a message on determined faith and expectant faith. We could do one on compassionate, compassionate faith because compassion is a trigger to release faith into situations. And I'm telling you now, that's why you need to pray to the Lord to make sure that you feel compassion, that you are compassionate. I almost quit the ministry after the first year or two because I told the Lord I love you but I don't like you people very much and I'm just I'm just not going to keep doing it because uh, and by saying that I know that your word tells me I'm a liar because you say how can I love you who I can't see when I don't love my brother who I can see and so I struggled with that but anyway he took me down a, a journey and he showed me that I did have a lot of love and compassion for people I just I don't have a, a lot of time for nonsense because of all the things that I've seen <laughs> and, and he said he, he that was okay with him. So we're still plugging away. Amen. <laughs> um, so when he had compassion, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. That is in different versions call it strong faith, great faith. But the point is, is that Jesus was really blessed by this man because this man was not a, he was not a Jew. He did not, he was not a follower, but he had heard about Jesus. And for some, some reason, the Lord made it clear to him how this worked. He understood that just like he had soldiers and people that did his bidding with a, or else, he understood that there was a spiritual aspect at work that he could not see, but it worked the same way. And he knew that Jesus was at the head of that and that he had authority to do the things that he was doing and, and all he had to do was speak and he didn't have to go. A lot of people said, if you'll come and lay hands and this and that. And so, uh, you know, he'll meet you at your level of faith. This guy said, you don't even have to show up. Just say it. I know it'll be done. And Jesus was really blessed by that. And that is, that is strong faith. That is strong faith. I want to look at the next one. Just flip over a couple of pages to the 15th chapter. And I'll show you the other one. And you'll remember her when I begin to read. This is a Canaanite woman. In the 21st verse of chapter 15 of Matthew, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. 
And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. You know, your prayers for others. See, in both these cases, it's for other people. And it's very compassionate. And And I think God is really blessed by that. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's testing her. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He didn't call her a dog. He was... He was, the word here is, is like a little dog, like a, like a puppy, you know, I mean, it, it's, it still seems kind of rude, but he was, the point is, he came there for the children of Israel. She basically claimed to be one by calling him Lord, son of David, but he wasn't her Lord, and, and he knew she was kind of making a false claim there. Anyway, he went on, and he drug this thing out a little bit, and, and she didn't give up. Her persistence See, there's that determined faith as well. He answered, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, 27, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So in both cases, they got what they were after and they displayed something that was really great in the Lord's eyes. A strong faith, a great faith, and it really blessed him. I want to tell you this. Those two people didn't have a fraction of of what you have as Christian. Just like the leper that reached out his hand and, and or, or called out to the Lord and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. He said, I'm willing, be clean. For a believer, because he did that for that, that leper that day, You don't ever have to ask again, are you willing? You see that? You don't have to wonder if he'll do it for you. A lot of Christians think like that. I know God can, but I don't know if he will for me. All of the promises in Christ are yes and amen. He's not going to turn you down. But it goes even further than that. I'll tell you this. Jesus has not healed anybody or prospered anybody for 2,000 years. Now, before you start wondering if I'm one of those denominational guys that don't believe that God works miracles anymore, no. I believe he's very active in that department. What I'm saying, it was all done 2,000 years ago. And it's not on a case-by-case basis. 
You're not throwing up your prayers and then waiting to see based on your good works, your behavior, if God is going to bless you or answer your prayer. Everything is already established. Everything's already on account for you. Look over and I'll show you just a little bit about what I'm talking about. Look at Ephesians 1 and put your finger in 2 Peter 1. And we'll just look at some opening scriptures real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Go down to the third verse. And Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Has blessed us. Past tense. It's a done deal. It's already on account. People say, yeah, but it says in heavenly places. It's, so it's spiritual stuff. So that's when we get to heaven? Or No. Everything that you have in Christ is in spiritual places. Your spirit is where everything is. And you have to work it out. You draw on it by faith. You see... We receive from God from the inside out as Christians because everything is already on deposit in our spirit. And where do we need it now to benefit? In our soul, our mind, our will and emotions and in our bodies. Amen. That's why we begin renewing our minds according to what's already been done in our spirit. And then if we get our soul and our spirit in line with one another in agreement, this body will follow suit. It's that simple. Second Peter. Second Peter. I'm going to start at the second verse just because I love that verse. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. How how many of you like the idea of having grace and peace multiplied to you? It tells you how. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. His divine power has, again, past tense, just like in Ephesians 1, has granted to us all things that pertain to life, that's this life, and godliness. And again, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. I'm in Second Peter, the first chapter. <clears throat> I started reading the second verse. That's where it says grace and peace can be multiplied to us through the knowledge of God. And then it says in three, his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And then in the fourth verse is where I'm at now, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises granted to us so that through them, through the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue, knowledge and knowledge with self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, <coughs> steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 
For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All of those things that he's describing that he wants you to have in ever-increasing amounts, he's really talking about the same thing we're talking about with faith. Stronger, not more. (coughs) Excuse me. All of the character of God, of Jesus, and the the very mind, the thinking, the thought of Jesus are already in you. Full, full blown and full grown in your born again spirit. It's all, you don't understand this teaching at all if you don't understand 1 Thessalonians 5.23 which says that we are spirit, soul, and body. We are three part beings just like our God. But everything that's been done has been done for you in your spirit. And that's what, so that part of your salvation is done. Now we're renewing our minds and our will and our emotion. Our soulish realm is benefiting from this word and coming into agreement with it, which is this word is in total agreement with what's in our spirit. So all of the peace, love and joy that you will ever need for this life, you already have in your spirit. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, meekness, and temperance, self-control. Those are already in your born-again spirit, the, the fruit of the spirit. But you, by exercising them and drawing upon them, you strengthen them where you can utilize them in your soulish realm and benefit from them in this life. Amen. So we have abundantly more than what those two people had that Jesus was so impressed by their big faith. I want to show you something. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 1 and I won't make you jump around anymore much. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I think this will, I think maybe this will make an impact in, in the point we're trying to make. Paul, down in the 15th verse of Ephesians chapter 1, made a prayer. He prayed this prayer for you. He prayed this prayer for all believers. And if he were going to, if you were going to make a prayer and you were going to pray for the church as a whole for all time, and what would you pray? You know, would you pray for some things for them? <laughs> For safety, maybe even security, for for provision. He didn't. Let's read the prayer, and then I'll touch on this again. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith. <clears throat> He's talking to y'all in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now here's the prayer, starting in the 17th verse. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all the church, all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The point here is that Paul didn't ask for God to give you anything that you don't already have. He asked God to give you wisdom and understanding, revelation, knowledge of the things that you do have in Christ. Do you see that? This is very empowering. I'll tell you if you get it and believe it. Go down. He prayed another prayer just a little further down in the third chapter of Ephesians to finish things up. And he said this, starting at the 14th verse of chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. You see that? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He's talking about the power that works with us. He, he refers to the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. We have everything that we need for this life, to live a godly life. All of the, the grace of God has been established and is on account for you. The grace of God is the unearned, unmerited favor of God. I have heard all sorts of things about the grace of God and how the grace of God um, covered all the sin that these people were living in and perpetuating to others and they just did the best they could and he covered the rest that's grace that's not grace that's sacrilege 
the grace of God doesn't cover anything. They may be referring to mercy. But the grace of God empowers us to be and to do everything that God has created for us to be and to do. That's the grace of God. But look over in... You don't have to. I said I wouldn't make you jump. In Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared to all men. The, The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, to all people. Teaching us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So the grace of God teaches us to live godly and to do all these things. So it it empowers us to live and to do all that he's given us to be and to do. The point is, in verse 11, it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. (coughs) So within that grace... Through the atonement is forgiveness and salvation for everyone. But is everyone saved? No. Why? This is true. We have to accept Jesus by faith. There it is. You see? The two working together, grace through faith. We've been saved by grace through faith. You can't have one without, well, one without the other will kill you. Grace alone, although it's all the provision that we'll ever need. Healing for our bodies. Provision for this life. Peace, love, and joy. Forgiveness for our sins. Eternal life. All found through the atonement of Jesus Christ. All provided by grace and is on account for us. But it's going to sit there and won't help you a bit unless you release faith toward it. Unless you increase in this confidence in this unseen reality. Just like the centurion did. He had confidence in an unseen reality that was really happening. And it's really happening with us. This spiritual realm is more real than the one that we live in and can see. It created this realm. But if you don't have any confidence in it, because I have people, I tell them all the time, God wants to heal you. I hope so. That's not faith. And that's really not even hope. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God. And if you really have hope, hope is the thing that gives faith a target. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen? And we have access into this grace that he's provided by faith. If it's not faith, it's sin. So we need to get these two things working together, don't we? 
Because faith only appropriates the things provided by grace. I always call it like the tractor beam. It's good to use that example on May the 4th. For all the... Uh, <laughs> for all the... All the... Uh, what's the name? Star Wars fans. May the 4th be with you. Yeah, that's the tractor beam is our faith. That reaches out and appropriates the things that have already been provided by grace. But without faith, those things will just sit there. It reminds me of the guy who came on the long journey from 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 uh, from Europe on a ship to America, and he'd saved up everything that he had and and spent it on the ticket, and he brought with him just a, a little cheese and 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 crackers wrapped up in the in a towel and. And he about starved to death. The last day of the journey, one of the crew members said, I notice you never come to dinner. You never come to lunch. You never come to dinner. He says, well, I spent all that I had on the ticket. I didn't have money for those things. He said, well, that's all provided with the ticket. Praise you, Jesus. Well, listen, we have infinitely more than those people had that Jesus said had great faith. You have great faith. The thing is, there, everyone, Romans 12, <clears throat> verses 1 through 3, and then I'm, I'm done. I'm going to end on this. Says that, I want to read it because I'll misquote it. And, and somebody in England or Russia or somewhere will make a comment and tell me that I misquoted the scripture. <laughs> Romans 12, verses 1 through 3. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called... Nope, that's Romans 1. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. This is Paul who's begging us, beseeching us, for some reason. By the mercies of God. He even throws that in there. Based on what God has done for you. I'm begging you. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Which is your spiritual worship. And King James says your reasonable sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For by the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Everyone has received the measure of faith. Sometimes people think think that he gave one little faith and he gave another great faith or strong faith. That's not true. It's just like if we were in the chow line in the military and I had a dipper for the beans, it's the same. The measure for everyone that comes through. The reason it the reason that some have little faith and some have big faith is based on usage. Not the fact that they have more. 
I always use our spiritual uh, characteristics, including faith. Um, I always explain them as, as as muscles in the human body. You know, if if once when they're exercised, they grow and they get stronger, and it's the same with our our spiritual characteristics. And that's why we are to grow in these things, as Peter said, and to add to our faith. And because it has to be practiced. And if we we trust God, we will practice these things. Because only by trusting God will you endeavor to practice these things. In other words, when Jesus told the disciples, go heal the sick, open blind eyes, and do all these things, they said, okay, and they went. And But when he told them that they had to forgive 777 times in a day, which is basically infinitely, they said, Lord, increase our faith. It takes faith to live the Christian life. Unforgiveness is not an option for the Christian. Trust has to be earned. It's a separate thing. But unforgiveness is not allowed. And in many cases, that is a great draw on our faith. So that's a good place to start. Just just go and forgive everybody that you're holding a grudge against. And remember that forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. And I have things that still rise up in me. And it feels like I haven't forgiven. It's the enemy trying to get me to speak those things. But I'll refuse and I'll rebuke him. And then I'll go back to the Holy Spirit. And I'll say, Lord, I forgive. I choose forgiveness. I don't feel like I've forgiven, but I choose forgiveness. I choose love. I I bless them in the name of Jesus. And that's the best we can do. Don't worry about your feelings. Your feelings will mislead you. But it's the heart. It's the, what's that? Can you say what you said earlier? I'm going to write it down. You said it in the podcast last week. Well, I was probably talking about the characteristics of God, the the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. They're already in your spirit, full-blown and full-grown. In other words, you don't have to pray for more of anything from God. He's already given you everything that you need. What you need to do is strengthen it by use. You know... You hear people talk about practicing your patience. It's something we're working on with Harper all the time now. And it's hard for a two-year-old. <laughs> when all they've ever done is make a noise and get what they want. It's hard for them to learn different. But it has to be practiced. <laughs> and so it'll be rewarded too. You're never going to outgive God. You take a step toward Him, He'll run three towards you. Amen? But it's definitely a heart issue. So uh, Romans 10.10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So righteousness with a Christian is not something that's achieved, it's something that's received. And this is terrible doctrine in the body of Christ. Still got people out there trying to earn their salvation. And for that reason, they never know if God's pleased with them. They never know if he's going to answer their prayers. He'll do it for some, but probably not for me. Because we all feel like the worst sinner in the world and the biggest hypocrite. But God loves you. And if we ever get a revelation of that, we'll walk in stronger faith. Because it will compel us 
to be more confident in the promises of God toward us. Because they're the same. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. So we have to quit. We have to discard all the stinking thinking. Saying that, well, he'll do it for all those church folks. But not for me because he really knows all about me. Well, he does know all about you and he loves you anyway. If you if you look in... Uh, I'll just touch on this because I think it's important. If you look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13... Where I get my wedding scriptures. Paul is describing love here. And so he's telling these guys. If they speak in the tongues of men and of angels. But have not love. So there's all these spiritual gifts. That God has handed out to the church. Healings. Miracles. Tongues and interpretation of tongues and all these things. And he's answering questions about this. He said, they're all good. He says, but if I have all these things, but I don't have love, I'm just a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Harper. And if I have, if I, let me see, if I give away all I have, let me get to this point. Okay, go to the fourth verse. This is a passage you're all familiar with. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Listen, when we hear those, we're... We're, we're, many times we're allowing condemnation to come in. Do I do that? No, I'm not. Okay, I'm, I'm dropping the ball there. I'm dropping the ball there. I'm dropping the ball there. What I encourage you to do until you stop that stinking thinking is to remember this. God is love. And He loves you. There's nobody He loves more than you. He simply is love towards you. So when you looking at this as a list of do's and don'ts for yourself, which brings condemnation, I'd rather you turn it around to looking at it as how God feels about you, how he thinks towards you. God towards me is patient. God is kind to me. God is not envious or boastful. He's not arrogant. He's not rude to me. I hear people, I hear sermons, I, I, and I hear people say things about God did this or said this. Or, and I'm like, God didn't say that. Because he's not rude. He's not irritable. He's not resentful. He keeps no record of wrongs towards you. We keep dragging up all the things that he's forgiven us for already. And he, you know what he's doing when you do that? He just patiently listens. <clears throat> but he's, what he's saying is, I've already forgiven you for that. Quit bringing it up. Quit reminding me of that. I don't want to be reminded of that. I, I already know. I've already dealt with that. 
We need to have a greater revelation of His love for us. And the way to do that is, remember I told you, it's, it's the heart of the matter. We, with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Faith is a heart issue. And the heart is the garden of the Christian. <clears throat> the garden of the Christian. So we need to keep it free of the weeds and the tares and the things of the enemy. We need to keep it full of light and love and the things of God. The promises of God pertaining to us. If we do that, we'll grow closer to God. And the promise pertaining to that. It's found in Jeremiah 29, which I talk about all the time. People are familiar with the, this passage of Scripture right here, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the plans I have toward you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. But I want you to read a little bit past that, and I want to show you something. Because here's where <coughs> most Christians... Or missing the mark. Because God doesn't just do these things. Remember, if you if you say you're standing in faith, but you're just sitting on your couch watching TV, and I'm believing God for this, this great job and this great house and this, that, that faith is not going to get it accomplished for you. There's a lot of things in in the Word that keep us in line with God's word. We, we're called in Ephesians 5.10 to, to find out what pleases God. The fact that it tells us to find out means that we can find out. We can know God. We can know his will and his way. And we can keep ourselves in the will of God and protect it from the enemy. The, the enemy, every time that we step out of the will and the way of God, God is not there to smite us, but we do open doors for the devil to come in and eat our lunch and pop the bag. Harper, shh, shh. Quiet, baby. Papa's talking. Okay? And I'm finished right here. After 29.11, where he declares the good things that he has in store for you, look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will I will hear you. You will seek me, verse 13, here's where I was going. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So right there is a promise that we will be found by him, but he likes to be sought after. Believe it or not. Imagine that, the creator of everything that you know, and even you, and everything good, the, the author of life himself, he wants to be sought after by you. Can you blame him? <laughs> I mean, he's, uh, he's so busy doing, uh, fulfilling everyone's wish list every day that I think it's just nice to be sought after. He has, you know, he has a soul just like we do. He has feelings. I mean, he's created us in his image. And and he just wants you, he wants a family. He wants people to choose him for him. That's why when he wanted a bigger family, he sowed his only son as a seed so he could get you and me. And he wants to be close to us. And if we'll take the time and spend it 
on Him, give Him the best part of our day, the best part of everything that we are, we're going to begin to see a greater revelation of the knowledge that we need to walk in the greater victory. And that faith, that great faith, that strong faith that He's calling us to is going to become easier and easier as this track record increases in our lives. Amen? Father, thank you for this day and for your word. Thank you for helping us to protect the seed of this word in the garden of our hearts to allow it to take root and bear fruit. Help us to take something from this message today and apply it to our lives that we will walk in greater faith, which is so pleasing in your eyes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are aware of the spiritual realities regarding us and that you have laws in place that you put there to benefit us. Help us to learn to cooperate with the spiritual laws that you have in place that we may be helped in this life, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered, and help others to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen.